You are listening to Rockland Community Church, connecting all generations to Jesus. Now, we have been in a series throughout this season of Advent called The Light of the World, and today we're going to be talking about how the gospel is our light. And I think it'll be a great kind of kind of finish up to what Jim has been doing over the last several weeks, and I think it'll be a great reminder for us as we head into this new year of some things that we need to be reminded about and some things that we need to be encouraged about as we get ready to kind of look at 2024, to think about what that looks like, and more importantly, to think about what that may or could look like for us as Christ followers. Now, as I was kind of digging into this a little bit deeper and I was kind of looking at this idea of being light and this idea of light, I kind of thought back to a time in my life, back when we used to live in uh, Arizona, I went to a men's retreat up in the mountains. Now, you guys are obviously familiar with the mountains, but at the time I really wasn't. Uh, But I went to this men's retreat up in the mountains, and one of the things that a bunch of us guys did as kind of an offshoot to this retreat is we went to this place called the Lava Tubes. And I don't know if any of you have ever gone and explored lava tubes before, but I have never been in a place so dark in my entire life. Now, you can't really tell from the picture, but the problem is you can't get pictures of the inside because there truly is no light inside of these lava tubes. But basically what they were, they were these kind of underground caves and underground caverns where at one time the lava flowed through the earth and kind of cut out these caves into the rock. Now, in order to go in, you had to have a headlamp. And the reason I say you had to have a headlamp, because if you didn't, you couldn't see anything. This wasn't like a commercial situation where you kind of go into this big giant cave and they flip the lights on and you can see. This was truly a explore on your own and pray your battery in your headlamp doesn't go dead. Now, the reason that I say that is, is is we went into this cave and there were places where you had to literally get down on your hands and knees and climb over rocks and crawl. And we kind of got back deep into this cave and my buddy says, hey, let's turn off our lights. And at first I thought, well, that's kind of strange, but sure, why not? So I turned off my light and I'm just going to tell you, I've never been in a place so dark in my entire life. There's literally no natural light. And once our headlamps were turned off, you've heard the expression, you can't see your hand in front of your face. I literally couldn't see my hand in front of my face. And it was a very eerie, very discouraging feeling. And I think I got to thinking, well, what if my battery dies? This is going to be it. But I say this to say that this is kind of where we are at in the world without Jesus and without the gospel. We are in this totally dark place where we have no hope, where we feel discouraged, and where we don't really know where we're going or what we're doing. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is how when we have the light of the gospel, we don't have to live in the dark anymore. We get to live in the light. And I think this will be a great reminder for us as we get ready to kind of set some New Year's resolutions, as some of us do, as we get ready to think about what 2024 could look like, I think we're going to see some really great reminders just in these six verses of some ways that we can kind of prepare for 2024 and some ways that we can grow in 2024. So if you would, if you haven't already, go ahead and open up your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 1. Paul says, therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Now, we could spend 
the next 20 minutes, which is, I think, all I have today, we could spend the next 20 minutes unpacking this verse and this verse alone. But don't worry, I'm not going to do that. But I want to point out a few things. Paul says right up front, this is a ministry that was given to me. He doesn't say, hey, look at me. Look at this gift that I have. Look at these abilities that I have. Look at what a great speaker I am. No, he says, this ministry was given to me by the mercy of God. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of Paul, I'm going to give you the kind of condensed version. Uh, For those of you who remember this, this will be kind of the Cliff Notes version, so to speak. But Paul was actually someone who was out persecuting Christians. Paul was actually actively seeking out Christians so that he could kill them. And what happened is Jesus decided that he was going to use him and he met him on the road to Damascus and he shone a bright light on him. Now, don't forget that as we continue this story that he shone the light around Paul. And long story short, he he decided he was going to use Paul and he converted Paul from being someone who was to persecute Christians to someone who wrote basically half of the New Testament. Now, I say this to say that Paul's life was not an easy one. It wasn't like God called him into ministry and everything was roses. It didn't work that way for Paul. See, Paul was persecuted throughout his ministry. As a matter of fact, all of Christ's disciples were persecuted throughout their ministries. And I love the fact that Paul starts off this chapter by saying, look, I was given this as a gift from God. And that's exactly how we, not just we as pastors, but we as Christ followers who get to share Jesus with others, we should have that same attitude, that same attitude that says, I get to share Jesus with others. Not I have to, not I have no choice but to, but we get to share Jesus with others. You know, God gave me my ministry and God gave Jim his ministry and God gave Paul his ministry those are gifts that we were given from God. And my story is a little bit, a little bit different than most. I was not called into ministries till I was in my 40s. I didn't take your typical, like, went from high school to college to seminary and right into ministry. That wasn't what God had in mind for me. I actually sold insurance for many, many years and worked in the corporate world for many, many years until I felt that calling that God was calling me to do something else with the gifts and the abilities that I've been given. And just like Paul, I'm very thankful for that because I realized that that was a gift that I was given, that he had been preparing me for all those years to use those gifts and abilities to share the gospel with others. That's not anything that I did. It wasn't, hey, look at me. It was, this is what God had in mind. Now, as we finish that verse one, it says, and we do not lose heart. Paul's basically saying, look, we can't give up. We can't quit. Let's be honest. We all see the writing on the wall. We all know where this world is going. We all see how people are straying farther and farther and farther and farther from the teachings of Jesus. It's not going to get any easier to be Christ followers. It's not going to get any easier to share Jesus as these things take place. But Paul is encouraging us once again that we cannot quit. We cannot give up. And we see the trend in church attendance. And I don't necessarily mean here at Rockland because I'm thrilled to see how many people are here this morning. But church attendance as a whole is steadily declining. And the pandemic didn't help that any. 
Because what happened is when the pandemic came along and churches had to close their doors and go online is people said, you know what? I don't need church anymore. Everything is just fine when I stay home. Everything is just fine when I don't go to church. But Paul is reminding us that that's not what we're called to do. We can't give up. We can't quit. Now, as I read this, as I was kind of studying for this sermon, and as I, as I was kind of reading through this, I was reminded of a passage from Timothy. If you would, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want to share with you verses 7 and 8. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. And here we read, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. With the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Paul, this is again is Paul writing a letter to Timothy. And he's reminding us that we can't give up. We have to keep fighting the good fight. We have to keep running the race. Because again, things are not going to get easier. They're only going to get more difficult. But we have to keep going on. And that's something I want us to think about as we're kind of on the prefaces of a new year is we're going to have to buckle down. We're going to have to keep going this year. We're going to have to do even more this year than we did last year if we truly want to answer the calling of advancing the gospel. Let's go ahead and continue as we, as we continue in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 2 says, but we have recounted, dis <clears throat> we have recounted disgraceful, underhanded ways. We, we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. It says, but by the open statement of the truth, we would <clears throat> command ourselves to everyone's constance in the sight of God. You know, we see almost every day that people are changing the Bible, that people are tampering with the Bible, that people are tweaking and changing the Bible to meet their needs instead of changing their needs to meet the Bible. And this is why we see churches cropping up almost every day, because people, instead of conforming to the gospel, are looking for a church that will conform to them and their needs and their beliefs and their wants and their desires. You know, it's kind of a sad state of affairs. I, I, there's actually some, some kind of big name authors and pastors that, that I have respected, that I have studied, that I have kind of grown up with, that have now decided that they're no longer going to follow the gospel anymore. That they're going to go out and do their own thing because of the pressures of society. Because society wants them to change. Society wants them to accept them despite living in sin. And unfortunately, we are seeing pastors do that. We're seeing new versions of the Bible come out that will affirm some things that we don't necessarily believe in. Some things that, more importantly, the Bible, which is our authority, doesn't believe in. See, the Bible is our authority not us. It's not what I believe. It's not what I think. It's what does the Bible say. But see, we're starting to get farther, not we as Rockland, but we as society are getting farther and farther and farther away from that. Because see, we don't want to change what we feel, what we think, what we desire based on the Bible. We're just going to go somewhere and find out where they will accept that. 
And well, they'll go along with that. But that's not what we are called to do. See, we are called as Christians to sometimes make some really hard decisions. I want to share a quick story with you of a time that I had to do that. And, I, and not because, hey, look at me, look at me. But these are the things that happen to us in our real lives. Back when I was selling insurance, I got to a point with one of my jobs where I got called into my, my supervisor's office and he said, hey, uh, you know, I've been listening to some of your sales calls and, and I think I found a way that, that I can help you increase your sales. And I thought, great, I was working in commission. Increase my sales, please. And come to find out what he was saying was, if you just, just tweak the numbers here and maybe just don't tell them everything, and maybe just make some adjustments over here, you can increase your sales and make more money. And I said, is this something that you're recommending that I do or something you're telling me that I have to do? And he says, well, this is what we expect you to do. And I said, I'm not going to do that. And he kind of looked at me and he says, you don't want to make more money? I said, of course I want to make more money. Who doesn't want to make more money? I said, but I'm not willing to do the things that you're asking me to do. And he says, why not? I said, because that's not what I believe in. See, I'm a Christ follower. And as a Christ follower, I'm not going to lie, cheat, and deceive in order to make money. And he says, well, you're not going to work here very long. And I said, that may be the case. And I had to make a decision that day. And I had to step out in faith and say, look, I'm not going to do those things that you're asking and you're telling me to do. I'm going to choose Christ. And I quit my job. I didn't have another job. I didn't have anything lined up. I didn't have a big savings account to where I could just say, hey, I'm just going to quit my job and I'm good. I was scared to death. But I had to take a step out in faith and say, God's got this and I'm going to do the right thing. And I say that to say that I know that you guys face those decisions all the time as well. And we have to make tough choices because every day we have to decide, am I going to stand for the gospel or not? Am I going to stand for Christ or not? And thankfully, we have some great examples in the Bible to help us have that courage to stand up in faith. And one of my favorites is Stephen. And not just because my last name is Stevens. <laughs> Stephen. If you know the story of Stephen, you know that when Stephen was stoned, does anybody remember the posture that Stephen took when he was stoned? When Stephen was stoned, he was looking up to heaven the whole time. Despite the fact that he was being killed, despite the fact that rocks were flying at his head, he was looking up. See, it's important. These stories are in the Bible for a reason. Because it gives us courage and it gives us strength and it gives us hope. But see, we can't follow the gospel. We can't use the examples of the gospel as our guide, as our fuel, as our strength if we don't know it. So as we think about 2024, maybe 2024 is the year that we spend more time in the Word. And I don't mean just to check a box and say, hey, I read the Bible today. Hey, I read the Bible every day this year. But are we reading it? Are we studying it? Are we understanding it? Are we using it the way it's intended to be used? It's not a, God doesn't intend for us just to say, hey, I read today. Check. Hey, I prayed today. Check. That's not what it's all about. But we can't know the gospel. We can't understand the gospel. We can't choose to stand for the gospel if we don't know what it says. 
And that is so important. I want to share another passage with you that, that kind of speaks to this same point. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is going to be from verses 15 through 17. So again, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, flip back one page or so. And we're going to look at verses 15 through 17. As we look at verse 15, it says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. It says, To one a fragrance from death to death, the other a fragrance from life to life, who is sufficient for these things. It says, For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. See, when we stand for the gospel, when we know the gospel, when we don't take things away from the gospel, when we don't add things to the gospel, but we take the gospel for what it says, we are a pleasant aroma to God. And when we don't, we're a foul aroma to God. And I love that Paul unpacks this and says, look, we've got to stick to the gospel. I heard an interesting story one time about Billy Graham, and you may, you may have heard of Billy Graham. He was an evangelist. He, he, he led revivals and all kinds of interesting things. But, but what I love about this story is he got asked to speak at Cambridge, and Cambridge is the university, right, that is kind of known as the center of learning, the center of intelligence. And Billy Graham was nervous. He was nervous about going to talk to all of these highly educated, intelligent people, And of all people, he talked to C.S. Lewis, and most of you know who C.S. Lewis is. And you know what C.S. Lewis told Billy Graham? One simple thing. Because Billy Graham says, hey, I'm nervous. I'm thinking about backing out of this. And you know what C.S. Lewis said? Just speak the truth. Just speak the truth. It doesn't matter who you're talking to. If you stand on the word, if you stand on the gospel and you speak the truth, you can't go wrong. All right, let's continue. We're going to pick up in verse 3. It says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. It says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded them, blinded the minds of the unbelievers. It says, To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God couple things I want to point out about verses 3 and 4. See, the enemy, which is Satan, and I know we don't like to talk about Satan anymore, but we got to talk about Satan because he's real. He doesn't want you and I and the world to see Jesus who, for who Jesus really is. Because when you see Jesus for who Jesus really is, you understand the gospel. You understand that he came to earth, that he walked as a man, that he died for you and me. But see, the enemy doesn't want you to see that. As Jim mentioned earlier, what the enemy wants you to focus on is the mistakes that you've made and the times that you've fallen short. That's what he wants you to focus on. Because see, when you get it, when you have that kind of light bulb moment, when the gospel clicks, when you see Jesus who, for who Jesus really is, it changes everything. Amen. It changes who you are. It changes who you're going to be. It changes your priorities. It changes your mindset. 
I can tell you one of my favorite things about being able to share the Bible with people, with being able to, to pastor to people, to minister to people, is when they have that moment where they just get it. And all of a sudden they go, aha, I got it. Jesus did this because he loved me. Jesus did this because he wants me to go to heaven and spend eternity with him. But see, Satan doesn't want you to get that. He never wants you to get to that moment. So he's going to use all of his deceitful tactics to stop you from seeing Jesus for who Jesus really is. A few verses back, it talked about using cunning and using deceitful ways. And we still see that today. And that's not the work of God. Of course, that's the work of Satan. We, we need look no farther than the televangelists who say, if you send me $100, I'm going to send you this towel that was dipped in the River Jordan and you're good. You never have to worry about anything again. And unfortunately, people will fall for that. And they'll send that $100 and they'll get that towel or whatever the case may be. And they'll go, hey, I'm good. I don't need to do anything else. Satan is going to do everything he can to destroy our faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you need to look no further than the scripture to see that that's his agenda and that's what he wants. I want you to notice what it says here. It says, the God of this world. Now, interesting, this is the only time that Satan is referred to in this way. And you notice that it's little g God. He's the God of this world. Because it's almost like he's been elected by society to be the God of this world. He, he won the popular majority vote. Because people want to do their own things. What do you hear every day? You do you. You do what makes you happy. And that's exactly what the God of this world wants you to do. And it's the exact opposite of what our God, the God of the next world, the God of heaven wants us to do. Let's go ahead and continue. As we continue in verse 5, it says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. I, I love Paul's humility. I love Paul's humbleness. Paul is once again reminding us, it's not about me, it's about him. You know, this time of the year, we see a lot of people talking about, I hear this phrase every year around this time, and it goes something to the effect of, new year, new me. Because we're going to make all these changes, and we're going to lose weight, and we're going to stop smoking, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. But as Christians, not that those things are bad, but as Christians, it needs to be new year, more Jesus. Because it's not about us. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. So this year, as we get ready to think about this upcoming year, as we get ready to think about what 2024 has in store for us, yes, those other things are great because you should take care of yourself. Don't get me wrong. But what if instead of new year, new me, it was new year, same Jesus? New year, more Jesus. Maybe this is the year that you finally take that step to actually have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That you're not just checking the boxes. I went to church. I said my prayers. I read my Bible. But do you have that relationship? 
What a great chance today, as we as we're stand here, as we sit here on New Year's Eve, to think about, do you truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And maybe you do, and that's fantastic. So your goal is to deepen that relationship this year. Or maybe you had one in the past, and it's kind of faded away. Like any relationship, it takes work. Maybe now is the perfect opportunity to say, I'm going to reinvest in that relationship with Jesus. Maybe 2024 is the year that I go from just knowing the Bible to living the Bible. From just knowing who Jesus is, this, this amazing historical figure who came to earth, to I have a relationship with my Lord and Savior who wants to have a relationship with me. Maybe this is the year that you either rekindle that relationship or you start that relationship. Let's finish up with verse 6. <clears throat> verse 6 says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, we live in a dark world. And, and before you knew Jesus, think back to that time before you knew Jesus, that hopeless feeling that you had. And he's talking about, he, he's bringing us back to Genesis, right? Because see, Paul knew the scriptures, just like we got to know the scriptures, Paul knew the scriptures. He's talking about back in Genesis where he said, let there be light. And he separated the light from the dark. And that's exactly what Paul is reminding us, that the gospel separates the light from the dark. See, we have a choice to make. Because we read just a few minutes ago that Satan wants to veil the gospel. He wants to keep you from the gospel. But remember, he can only do that if we allow him to do so. We can only do that if we give up, if we don't finish the race, if we decide not to follow the gospel, if we decide not to follow Jesus. And he's saying, look, you can have the light. It's right here. It's been given to us. It's right here, but what are we going to do with it? That's up to us. It's up to us what we're going to do with this amazing gift that we've been given in the gospel. So here's some things I want us to think about. Some things for us to think about as we get ready to, again, to embrace this new year. And as Jim said, it's a, it's a great time to, to not only put everything in the past, because remember, that's what Jesus wants. He wants us to forget about all those things in the past. But this is a great time to think about some things that we need to be doing. And that's let's not lose heart. Let's not lose heart. Let's not give up the race. Let's keep running the race, even when it's not easy. Because again, as society shifts farther and farther and farther from what the gospel teaches, it's not going to get any easier but we have the example. We have the motivation. We need look no farther than Jesus. Look at what Jesus went through in his life here on earth. He was hated. He was abused. He was ultimately hung on a cross the most painful way that you could die. We have that. We got to stay humble, just like Paul. It's not about us. When we're talking to people about Jesus, it's not about us. It's not about me. I'm just a servant. It's about Jesus. 
And again, instead of new year, new me, what if it was new year, more Jesus? So how do we do that? There's a couple things that we can do. And these are not, this is not a comprehensive list. This is not the only things that you can do. But let's make this the year of prayer. Let's make this the year where we talk to Jesus. And not just when we want something. Not just at meals. Not just at bedtime. But are we talking to Jesus throughout the day? What a great thing to focus on this year. Let's make this the year of study. Again, let's not just read the Bible, let's study it. And whether that be one of the Bible studies, whether it be through a commentary, whether it be through videos, I don't care how we do it, but let's study the Bible this year. Maybe this is the year we go from reading the Bible to studying the Bible. Let's love. Let's love the way that Christ loved. You know, we're seeing more and more people that we're going to encounter on a daily basis, whether it's at school or at work or on our teams or wherever we may be, that don't believe the same things that we do. How are we approaching those people? Are we hitting them over the head with the Bible and saying, you're wrong, you got to repent? Well, they do. (laughs) But are we doing that in love? Are we coming alongside them? And I'm not saying that we're saying, hey, everything you're doing is okay. Everything you're doing is right. I affirm what you're doing. But are we walking alongside them in love and showing them love first to open up that door to share the gospel? We gotta love people. Jesus loved people. If we're to follow Jesus, if we're to emulate Jesus, we've got to love people. So let's love people this year. And let's work on that relationship. Everyone in here has a relationship, whether it's with a spouse or a child or a friend or a significant other, whatever that relationship may be, we all have a relationship. And what's the one thing those relationships take? Work. It's the same thing with Jesus. He doesn't want to just hear from us when we need something. He wants to have a relationship with us. And I'll tell you right now, when you have a relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it changes everything. What could 2024 look like if we employed some of these tactics? It could be vastly different than this year. Whether this year was a fantastic year or a terrible year, it doesn't matter. Because what we have is to look forward to what Jesus promises us. And that's way better than anything here on earth. I want to leave you with one kind of last thought. And that's that God's word doesn't change, even though society does. We don't change the gospel to fit our wants, needs, and desires. We change our wants, needs, and desires to match the gospel. And if you didn't hear anything else today, that's what I want you to hear. As things in society continue to change, as society as as a whole drifts farther and farther away from what the gospel teaches, We've got to stand firm on the word of God. And I want to encourage you this year to do that. And we can help you do that if you, if you need ways to do that. If you need ways to employ any of these strategies, talk to Jim, talk to myself, talk to Paul, talk to anybody on staff. We would love to help you do that this year and make 2024 be your best year in Christ that you've ever had.